Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're sitting down on Christmas Eve Eve to discuss all the latest NFL stories. My name is Cameron Hobbs and Paul is mince pie deep in Christmas at the moment. He cannot join us for this one. So instead, we've got Gordon McGuinness and Jamie Borthwick. Gentlemen, how are you? <laughs> pumped for this, clearly. Two goes first, two goes first. <laughs> ah, you need to tee up one of us. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely grand, sitting, looking at my, my tree, looking resplendent and uh, um, nearly, nearly done with work as well. So bring it on. Yeah, we're, we're right on the precipice of being able to sit down and do nothing for a couple of days but drink and open gifts. Um, hopefully, anyway. So it's not I, a bad life. Yeah, it's not a bad life, and I, I, I hope you've both been suitably avoiding the latest variant. Uh, Christmas plans haven't been cancelled yet. So far, so good. Yeah. Um, lateral flow, ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Week fifteen, another absolute classic. Not if you were playing fantasy football. Some weird and wonderful scores, some all-time lows, some missing key players. Uh, basically, watching Twitter every two minutes to find out who's the latest to go into the COVID list. But some fascinating outcomes, nonetheless. Uh, we'll stick to the format that we've been doing with this one, and we'll get straight into the nominations this week for the ball bag and the belter. Uh, some really good talking points to come up out of this as well. So let's get straight into the belter nominations this week. Uh, straight up, we've got Patrick Wilson. He nominates the Bills fans after being on the wrong end of some dodgy ref calls in the last in last week's game against the Bucks. The Bills fans raised $40,000 for a visual impairment charity, raising money for a good cause and at the same time getting a nice dig in at the officiating. Well, the top stuff from the Bills Mafia. By the way, oh, uh, in fact, I'll come back to this because Patrick's got a suggestion for me about who could play me uh, uh, if, if an actor was to come in. But we'll, we'll come back around to that. So anyway, Bills fans get a nomination there. Roddy Campbell, Donald, McLeod both put forward Christian Wilkins. Roddy says it best. Fat guy, touchdown, check. Leaping into and crushing the crowd on the celebration, check. Doing the worm, check. Give it to the big man for the unbridled joy alone. The catch was pretty good too, of course. Um, couple of nominations in here for Cooper Cup. Tony Bruton says, can't quite believe we've got the full season without this guy winning a Belter Award. Every time he scores a couple of touchdowns, but someone else has done something more extraordinary in the week. However, this guy has been doing it week in week out now we talked about fantasy football there if you've got cooper cup in your team and you're playing in a ppr league you're in a good spot you should be in your final this week um he really has been tremendous um there's already chat about him being offensive um player of the year is there any possibility of a straight mvp award to a wide receiver here probably not but i think there's probably more uh like reasonable discussion to be had about him than Jonathan Taylor. Everyone's obviously gotten Jonathan Taylor because the Colts run the ball a lot. I think if you're giving the ball to, uh, giving the MVP award to a non-quarterback, which I just don't think will happen, but I think Cup has as fair a shout as anyone. As a journalist, I didn't enjoy Cooper Cup talking gobbledygook about how he was playing so well. If I was the one guy asking the questions there, I'd be like, what's the top line here, mate? No, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not printing this. <laughs> Um, yes, it does seem very impressive, but because none of us know what he's talking about, it's like he could be saying anything. <laughs> um, who's the? There's a question for you. What's the worst um, sort of comment you've had in a post-match interview where you've been put in that position where you're like, "How do I turn this into a headline?" Well, it'd be hard, hard to shortlist them. To be honest, man, <laughs> half the time. Half the time I ask questions, you get that nonsense back. None is bad. That you saw that one with the Man United women's coach recently, where he started talking about they lost because they didn't um, access thirteenth quadrants enough and stuff like that. Like, nah, mate, no, no, just just take that one again. <laughs> um, who's your favourite person to interview? Actually, all oh, time, of all time. <laughs> um. Oh, no, man, that's that's tough. <laughs> Lennon was always good. He would always give you a line, no matter what you asked. Didn't matter if it was about the football or what. He was he, he was always he was always game for playing along. Um, that's the first one that, that that comes to mind. Yeah, there's definitely some big characters in the, in football, and it's funny because you do get that brief moment there. And um, I think 
Cup came across so different in that situation because he did sound so switched on and intelligent. Um, and that's something that you don't necessarily get in the heat of the moment after the game where everyone's just pumped. It just shows you the, how level-headed he was. And, and actually, Cooper Cup throughout the year has been so consistent and so available as a weapon. And I think you're right, Gordon. There is an awful lot of focus on running backs. But really, the, to, to achieve the number he's done at the wide receiver position with a new quarterback... It is very impressive. You know, that's a, that's a very quick, strong relationship to have been established with Matt Stafford. Um, with a better quarterback, to be fair. Though. Granted. Yes, granted. Um, but still, you know, it's impressive all the way around. Um, there's another Colt gets a nomination this week. Darius Leonard gets one. He's called the Maniac for a reason. Double-digit tackles, a forced fumble, and an interception that was followed by a vicious stiff arm. Massive game for the Colts, and he delivered yet again, says Chris Breen. David Ajabo gets one from Ali McLeod, selected in the All-American second team, despite not even being American. Can't get more impressive than that. Uh, and congratulations <laughs> to David for that as well. That is an impressive... What I found out this week that I thought was absolute nonsense is that he's not allowed to make money off his likeness because yes. he's not yeah. American. Yeah. What? Yeah. The, the NCAA continues to find ways to make rules that manage to screw at least some people over. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even understand what the logic would be of that. Like, why can he not benefit from that? Yeah, I saw him. Um, if, you, if you don't follow him, check out David Ajabo on Twitter. He has posted a link to where you can buy a T-shirt. Uh, really smart-looking T-shirt with his name and number on the back. Uh, but, yeah, he cannot benefit from that, even though his teammates can. Fingers crossed he's done enough on the field that, do you know what, that's going to be the least of his worries in a, in a wee while. Uh, and hopefully there's a big old contract coming his way at some point in the future, whether it be this year or next um, but that, in a way, that's well, the NCAA, NCAA kind of forced in their hands a little bit with that. Where's the incentive then for a player to stay for another year in their setup and continue to be a, a big name that draws attention to them? You know, because you put them in the situation where maybe they're forced to kind of go, I need to go and I'm in a position where I can go and get paid. I have to go do this now because I need money. I need to survive. It's, it, yeah, I mean... America and funny rules, right? Well, that's a whole other podcast. But there, there's a lot short sight. There's at least three or four um, college football coaches that make about five million dollars a year who have been quite clear that these college players really should just do it for the love of the game. Yeah. So you know, it's it's hard to argue with that logic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Detroit Lions get a couple of nominations here. Kenny Law says. I've given them about four Bob Ag nominations this season, so when they pull out an incredible win that helps my Packers in the pursuit of the number one seed, it's only right they get their Belter nomination from me. Top work, Dan Campbell. Alex Beaton gives it specifically to Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn. They outcoached Kingsbury and the Cards. Could the Cards collapse completely from here, or are they just too good for that to happen? Open question. We saw a collapse from the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Um... Now, without DeAndre Hopkins and with a couple of little niggling injuries there, is there a threat that we see something similar with Arizona or do we think they've got enough talent that they'll be safe from it? This is the second time you've made this Steelers-Cardinals comparison. I still think you're wrong. but I do too. I don't think I'm... I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen, but it's there. there's definitely similarities there around the trending performances. Yeah, I think the tough thing for them, like they, they have the Colts this week, so that's a really tough game. If they don't win the division, it then becomes significantly harder. You know, you don't want to be like heading off to Green Bay in the second round of the playoffs, which is likely what faces a fourth seed or a fifth seed coming up. If that happens, uh, you know, it's not the Cardinals don't feel like the team that are set up for success to go on the road to Green Bay. It would be interesting. I mean, it's it's such a tough division. Uh, and to be honest, like the Niners suddenly coming back into this surprised no one more than me. Um, obviously, we're recording this. They're still to go to Tennessee tonight. Uh, that would be an interesting game to see how they get on there. But um, it is a tough division. We knew it would be a tough division. And they've done particularly well. But this is definitely where we'll find out how much metal they've got uh, and how the sort of the mental side of their game is going to be. Can, you know, that... Such a surprising result against Detroit. Like, really, they were totally outshone all the way through it. The fact that they pulled Kyler out the game towards the end, not surprising, let's not risk him. But it just shows how big of a gulf there was between the two teams. 
Uh, and Jamie, it's got to be a worry for them, right? They got they got to turn that around quickly because the longer that goes on, and, and as Gordon says, another game against the Colts, very easy for that to become a mindset and and trend down. Yeah, that that is the the biggest red flag, I think, because even with the guys they're missing, they're still absolutely rammed with with huge amounts of talent, um, and they're not turning that into performances. So that's a bigger concern. It's not it's not like oh we're waiting for guys back or 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 they just lost a, a a bit of momentum. The concern is that they through the season have been able to adapt, haven't been able to play what's in front of them. And as you say, that can become a spiral. Um, there's always a couple of teams every year that start on fire and then tail off and they don't get it back. Um, and Arizona are going to have to get it back pretty quickly if they're going to be a, a, a major postseason factor. Because the, um, the Rams have wobbled a couple of times, but it feels like when the Rams wobble, they do bounce back every single time. Yeah, you see them have a bad week. And I would fully expect that of Brady and the Bucks as well. Obviously, they've just had a big fat wobble. We'll talk about that probably more in the ballback side of things. But um, it was quite something. Uh, but I fully anticipate they'll be back with no issues whatsoever. However, you got to feel like with the Cardinals, you know, there was question marks about a similar trend last year. Is this the same as last year? They've been through it, so they've got more experience, and you'd like to think they've got enough now to bounce back from it. But yeah, interesting times. Uh, Cards fans, let us know. I'm sure you're confident still, right? You're you're going to win the division, right? Um, moving on, other nominations. Martin Murphy gives one to Duke Johnson. Uh, wasn't predicted to run for over 100 yards behind that offensive line. First <coughs> Dolphins running back in a few years to go over the ton, and he came off the practice squad to do it. Phil Spears gives one to Gabe Davis. Okay, okay, I love this guy. Big, fast, and reliable. Cannot fathom why Bills don't use him more. Every time he gets a chance, he grabs it. He has one less career touchdown than DJ Moore. Moore has played in 60 career games and has 286 receptions. Davis has played in 30 career games and has 64 receptions. With Sanders Beasley's out, surely he has to be wide receiver two this week. A uh, bunch of nominations as well for Jared Goff, uh, Martin Blair, Cameron Christie, Ryan Johnson, Stephen Bryson, and just simply Callum all put nominations in. But Stephen Bryson says it best, much maligned all year, but put on a show against the previously much vaunted Cardinals who were beating teams by at least 10 points in all away games. This one wasn't even close. Um, obviously, Jared can thank his defense for some of that performance as well. Joe Hayden gets a couple of nominations. Ross Black says it for the tackle on the Titans, fourth down that stopped them making the first down. So many times you see an open field tackle like that missed. Stop the first down and save his team season for another week with a perfect tackle. Love to see it. A couple other nominations. We'll get into your thoughts after that. Jonathan Taylor, Yoon uh, Chalmers says, I wish I could nominate someone else, but every week he's doing the business. To ice the game with a touchdown run and make two unblocked players miss you was a joy to behold. Brian Dando <coughs> says, Kelsey, simply Kittle last week, nearly Andrews this week, but Kelsey edges it for me. Monster performance against the Chargers. Bunch of nominations then for the new... New Orleans Saints defense. Stuart Taylor says, shutting out Brady for the first time in 225 starts is an impressive feat. Gareth King says, only reason I watched this was because my uh, sciatica woke me up. But as a Bills fan, seeing Brady being shut out in his own building was worth the pain. Uh, which I thought was a beautiful... <laughs> um, brilliant. I'm glad that um, the New Orleans Saints could help you through that, uh, Gareth, and I hope your back's feeling much better. Uh, Darren Barry... He puts one forward for Shad Khan for finally for finally putting Urban Meyer and the rest of us out of our misery by getting rid of the head coach. Obviously listened to last week's pod and took the multiple Bob nomination seriously enough to make a swift decision. I'd like to think well, that I don't think on that. I, I don't think you get a belter award for doing something <laughs> Well, hope what are we fifteen weeks into the season? Maybe seventeen <laughs> weeks too late. Uh two more I'm gonna give you Dave Nichol, Trent Williams. It's sometimes hard to notice what goes on the trenches, but this guy is light years ahead of everyone else playing on the O-line of an NFL team today. The Niners' offense moves with ruthless efficiency behind them, provided that everything goes to plan. And then the last one is, well, Sean Breen puts forward Tyler Huntley. Although the Ravens lost, Huntley is playing for his future in the NFL. 215 yards passing, two touchdowns, and then 73 yards and two touchdowns rushing is going to do him plenty of favours if any teams have the requirement for quarterback next season. It doesn't do Lamar Jackson any favours when he plays this well, as he's not inked a new contract. So, I thought that we'd end on that one, Gordon, because it's an interesting point. He did play really well, Tyler Huntley. 
Um, and I think it's very you know, well. Uh, it was. It was interesting, and again, I, I don't always like to talk about what we discussed in the WhatsApp group, but it's pertinent because he's not here. Charles Patterson was making comments last Sunday as the, the Ravens were ahead. Oh, this is what we expected. This is what we expected. I don't think that's true at all in any shape or form. I don't think we expected the Ravens to keep punching the ball in. Um, that Packers defense is decent, but they didn't show up. They didn't show up at all, and, and Huntley destroyed them. Um, it's purely they couldn't get enough done on their own defense to to keep it going, and we'll come on to the two point thing in the ball back side. So let's not go into that. Purely Huntley, what are your thoughts? Do you think there's something there to say that he could be better than Jackson? It feels like he's a better thrower, based on what we've seen. Based purely on what I've seen. No, <laughs> it's, it's one. So, firstly, I'm not I'm not going to talk down Tyler Huntley because I thought he played very yes. well on Sunday. And this isn't about talking uh, down Jackson. This isn't about talking down Jackson either. This is but, about. But it, but it is though because uh, it's just the bit. latest. It's the latest thing that people have done. We did it it's, at first. He wasn't a quarterback when he came into the draft, and it was oh he can't win a he can't throw the ball. He then leads the NFL in touchdown passes and wins NFL MVP. He can't win a playoff game. He wins a playoff game. Oh he can't win the big and it's now. You know, can you afford last week? Joe Banner, who's like a former GM, I think, was talking about how Lamar Jackson's ankle injury is why you can't pay running quarterbacks, despite the fact that he got hurt on a pass. Um, Tyler Huntley, the the good news for the Ravens is that after this season, he's like an exclusive rights free agent. So the Ravens don't need to pay him a lot of money to stick around. Then he'd be a restricted free agent the following year. They can give him like a second round tender, all that stuff. Great. What it does give them the opportunity to is they don't need to sign Lamar Jackson this offseason. You know, they can let that play out, see how he bounces back from what has been a struggle in the second half of the season. But after one game like that for Tyler Huntley, we're nowhere near the point of saying, oh, should the Ravens actually pay Lamar Jackson? You, you can maybe stretch out how long you want to think about the decision. But at this point in time, if, if Lamar Jackson came to the Ravens today and said, I'll sign for $36 million a year, for the next six years, the Ravens do it every single time. That's fair. But do you? Would you like to see a competition between the two of them? No, not if if Tyler. So let let's say Lamar Jackson is out for the rest of the year, which he's not going to be. Uh, and if Tyler Huntley plays the same way he played against the Packers for the next few weeks, goes on and takes the Ravens and wins the Super Bowl. Okay, at that point, you can maybe have some sort of conversation. So but, it has to win a Super Bowl for there to be a conversation about him being better than Jackson. Is that... No, but like, you, how long we've got left in the season, okay. for him to play well over like a seven, eight-week period, he probably will win the Super Bowl if he does that, or he'll be playing in a Super Bowl, because otherwise there's not enough games. We've spoken, though, about Jackson maybe suffering some longer-term effects from COVID, perhaps maybe just knocking 5-10% off his capabilities, right? And there's an open question here about how much this has impacted a number of people. Um, you know, we've seen Jamie Gillen obviously released from the, the Browns after, uh, you know, you look at social media, there's been comments there about it's not been his best season. Uh, obviously broke onto the scene and, you know, we wish Jamie all the best and we'll be watching. We've got every faith he'll land somewhere soon. But again, caught COVID quite early in this whole process and wonder whether that's just taken 5-10% off of him as well. The long-term effects of COVID still being understood. Um is this where, you know, this might not be about just Huntley being better than Jackson. It might be that Jackson maybe isn't quite as 100% as he's been, and this is an opportunity to to let him rest for a period of time, let Huntley oh, be the team. Uh, I mean, come back I, I next would, season almost, if he's I, good I enough, would, if he continues to be good enough. I would start Huntley this week because I don't think Jackson's going to be 100% against the Bengals. So at that point, I think you need... You know, I, I think I would rather go with Tyler Huntley. But Lamar Jackson got voted to the Pro Bowl last night. Now, I disagree with that because I don't think he's been a Pro Bowl caliber player this year. Mm. But Lamar Jackson did not go to the Pro Bowl based off of fan votes because he was not in the top thing when it came to fan votes. Where he elevated from non-Pro Bowler to Pro Bowler this year was players and coaches. The players and coaches understand the different things that Lamar Jackson brings. And as good as Tyler Huntley was, someone on this podcast made a suggestion that he was shiftier than Lamar Jackson. Just nonsense. Lamar Jackson is the the most athletically gifted quarterback 
that's ever played in the NFL. More than Michael Vick. He's shiftier, faster. He goes from zero to 100 way quicker. He's just a completely different dynamic. Tyler Huntley is someone who, solid throw of the ball, is a decent athlete, but Lamar Jackson's completely different. Okay. Fine. Uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Jamie, do you want to add anything here? I feel like I've just been put in my place, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'll give me another one and I'll put you in your place again. <laughs> uh, would you take Tyler Huntley at the Giants rather than Daniel Jones next season as he's found himself on IR, uh, obviously going into his last rookie year next year, is it not? So you can you can roll the dice again next year. But let's say Huntley was available for a second round pick. Uh, and it's very early to say. I guess this is more open than just Huntley. Do you roll the dice with Daniel Jones still? Or would you go and take a quarterback that is available that's perhaps could, that could be better? Once again, I think you got to stick with Daniel Jones for another year because we still don't know. Um, and then you know, unless you were unless you were getting a sure thing, I think you got to wait another year. I thought I think Daniel Jones actually was was trending well in the right direction that we. If he'd stayed healthy, we probably would have had a, a good idea that, yeah, he's the guy to to, to back. But um, he's injured and he's played behind actually an even worse offensive line than he was before um, and a completely dysfunctional offense, which most people saw coming given who was calling it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he gets the rest of the year off. He'll come back hopefully healthy. It doesn't look to be a terribly long-term problem with his neck. And... Um, Hopefully, he's playing behind some guys who can actually block next year. <laughs> so the priority is the O-line. Those first two picks in the first round next year, you're going O-line, O-line. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, unless unless they can pick up something excellent in free agency, but uh, the, the class looks pretty good on O-line coming up in the draft, so I'd be tempted to spend two first rounders on the offensive line. Okay, well, interesting dynamics to come. Okay, uh, so we need to decide our belter of the week, though, uh, as a consensus. Who, for you guys, is the nomination? They've obviously given some there. There might be other names that need to be put forward. Who who, who are your belters this week? I really like the moment with Wilkins. Like, if there's a standout moment watching, <laughs> it's so unscripted. We've seen plenty of uh, big man touchdowns, but the way he just plummeted into those... Uh, poor spectators was fantastic <laughs> but actually because i've shooed them so much I, like detroit lions just the whole detroit lions i love the joy that goes around with them and possibly the surprise um that uh, their own surprise at themselves when they win a game um and they, they they deserve it they deserve it um they deserve the nomination because who knows how many more games they're going to win they're making sure that they make the absolute most of it when they do i i think the lions story this year like they're obviously going to finish with one of the top picks in the draft. But if you look at where Vegas has had them each week, they've actually outperformed expectations more weeks than they've not. Um, that roster is horrendous. Jared Goff's your quarterback, and he's thrown to Amon Ra St. Brown and Josh Reynolds as your top two receivers. You know, and neither of those are bad players. You just You don't want them to be your number one and two at this point in time. And yet, they've been competitive in a lot of games. They've kept a lot of teams close. Um, and realistically, Charles Patterson said at the start of the year, that was like an 0-17 roster. And they've got two wins and a tie. So I, you can see anytime there's a post-game thing, the players love playing for Dan Campbell. Um, and I really hope that in the next... I, I think what he's probably done this year is bought himself next season at least. So as long as they can, you know, have like maybe a six-win season next year, heading into that third year if they've built that roster up, I would love to see them make the playoffs. Okay. So are you both giving this to the Lions? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I think they won last week as well. <laughs> or they certainly got a nomination. Um, but I, I don't know that it can be anybody else. I think as well, if they'd beaten a middle teamer, we wouldn't even be talking about it necessarily because they've got that first win under their belt. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a team now that I could chuck out there. If they'd beaten the Raiders, right, or something like that, we would have gone, oh, well done, Detroit, you know, another one under the belt. But they didn't beat the Raiders. They beat the the top of the NFC West, uh, Arizona Cardinals, who, you know, find missing some people, but so Detroit, right? Um and I think that that was the other part to this as well. Detroit were without their running backs. Craig Reynolds steps up and absolutely has a day. So, you know, to you can't say, oh, well, we were understaffed on one side of the ball because they were understaffed on the other side as well. I think, fine, we need to raise a glass then because the Detroit Lions, you are the Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. Okay. Love a wee, wee 10am glass of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas, man. There's no rules about drinking. There's no rules. As soon as you get up, if you're conscious. <laughs> um, okay, right. So getting into the ballback nominations. Um, and I think there'll be some talking points as we go through this one. So there's a couple of people up. First of all, uh, nominating Arizona. Um <laughs> Brian Dando losing to the Lions, two losses in a row. Not the form you want to be in with the playoffs on the horizon. And Gareth King says that the risk of the wheels coming off in a season that held so much promise a month or so ago. Uh, Bradley Chubb gets one from Stuart Taylor. That extremely late hit on an unprotected player is not cool. Uh, Scott Kirkwood gives it to the Bucks v Saint. Saints game. Uh, paint, paint watches that game dry. Utter pish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Bailey uh, nominates the Carolina Panthers they held a kicking tryout after their kicker got injured in the warm-ups uh, some of the attempts from the athletes were hilarious even Cameron and Paul would do a better job what a bunch of ball bags now we've already established Jamie you are the NFL Scotland kicker um, you would, you definitely would have done better than some of the attempts that we saw there because we've oh, thank, done it thanks Cameron that's high praise we've, <laughs> we've, we've done it we've got video evidence you could absolutely do better than that <laughs> um, but yeah it was, I mean it was good viewing uh, obviously one of those situations where you don't tend to carry a backup kicker uh, in your roster so when he goes down uh, you're scrambling to see who's got any capabilities and it turns out Nibdi uh, was the answer to that one what did was the punter one of the people that tried out? Because yes. that's what I didn't see. Oh, he was. Okay, yes, right. That's fine. So the, pun- all I- the punter tried out for kickoffs, and then they ended up using, I think, a wide receiver to do it because the punter couldn't do it. So <laughs> the, punters, the punter could do one thing, and he could punt the ball. As long as it's in his hands, then he's fine. Put it on the ground. Oh, no, we chance, mate. I'm not touching that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the situation there was, but the punter was given an opportunity, and they decided to go in a different direction. Um, that's not a good state of affairs, to be perfectly honest. Uh, okay, David Drybrough says the Chicago Bears ownership. Uh, how have they not been to Nagy yet? Right, Matt is Matt Nagy's not surviving, right? Is he? No, there's no way they're they're just riding this out to the end of the season now. Because why not? Well, the reason why not would be to get a head start on your coaching thing. I think the NFL announced. I think it's from this season that there's there's going to be a window where you can talk to coaches like late in the season rather than having to wait till the playoffs rather than have to wait until bye weeks all that stuff there's head coaching opportunities out there and if you're looking at the quarterback situation Jacksonville and Chicago are probably going to be two of the most attractive which point if you're the Bears probably don't want to wait and allow the Jaguars to get ahead of you so I probably would now flip side is they couldn't fire him this week because he was literally the only coach they had because everyone else was out with COVID. So <laughs> it was kind of difficult for him to not be the guy that was that was there. Um, and I mean, it'll be, yeah, it's definitely interesting. They do keep changing these rules, uh, talking point, but I can't, I just don't see Nagy surviving this at all. Uh, surely, surely Bears fans, you've got something to look forward to. Um, other nominations, I'm going to come back to some. It's a bit Ravens heavy, but you know this is coming up as a talking point. We'll get to it. So Dave Nichol says, COVID, stop ruining everything. Simply. Um, Then there are other ones for the Omicron version and all these sorts of things. Callum to Shad Khan. Uh, Bob Ag nomination. Pay Urban his money. You bastard. No. (laughs) I mean, like... (laughs) That's the most stick-on four-cause firing of all time. No. I, I I think Callum might actually be Urban Meyer. Um, I, that's the only thing that I can think's happened here. Urban's managed to find our nomination form. 
and he's just uh, spreading the word as far as he can. It's, it's a hot take. It's a hot take. Uh, Callum, Callum, let us know. What's the theory behind this one? We're fascinated. Definitely fascinated. Want more. Uh, Sean Breen says Tennessee Titans. The Titans have done this before, but yet and again, another team who gathers on the opposition logo only to then lose by 13 points. When will teams learn just don't do it? It's so petty and childish and makes you look like ball bags when you lose. Agree? Yeah. They were and they were terrible. They were terrible. Um it's it's t- I don't get it as well. It's point it is pointless ball baggery. A uh, bunch of nominations for Urban Meyer himself. Uh, Roddy Campbell puts it best. Leaving with the same class and dignity he arrived with. Um, Tom Brady. There's a number of nominations for Tom Brady. Stuart Randall, Phil Spears, John Blair, Bob Mays, Ryan Johnson, Donald McLeod, Chris Breen, Stephen Bryson, Martin Murphy, Ewan Chalmers, Ross Black. All of them nominating Tom Brady. Um, Donald McLeod says, the temper tantrums of a four-year-old because things weren't going his way. Twat. Uh, Chris Breen says, I don't know what it is about regular season Saints, but Brady seems to fear them. He stunk up a storm in prime time, and his best throw was the tablet he smashed on the sideline. Stephen Bryson says, Dennis Allen is truly in his head now. Won the Super Bowl last year with one of the healthiest teams in living memory, and now with a couple of injury, puts up zero points at home, then throws a strop over a tablet. Boo-hoo, you're 43, and you should know better, you big baby. And then Ewan Chalmers puts, I'm enjoying reading these out, can you tell? Um, we all knew he was King Bobag, but to actually throw his toys out the pram, bitch to the refs, and have a go at the Saints bench when he had a donut on the scoreboard was a joy to behold. Take his weapons away, and he couldn't get the job done. Let's stop the MVP chat. Now, uh, Gordon, I'll let you tackle that last sentence first. Are we stopping oh. the MVP chat? Uh, it, it definitely dents it because it's not good to have a late season game where you don't score a point. Uh, the flip side is is Aaron Rodgers has got a big MVP boost this week yeah. when he threw two touchdowns against the Ravens' eighth string cornerback. So, <laughs> like, let's maybe let's maybe add some context to these things. Bra- and, and I think for all the chat of Brady being a ball bag, <clears throat> the smashing the tablet stuff is absolutely where I think he is an absolute stick on for the word this week because. Like that's, I, I don't understand why athletes think it's remotely acceptable to smash something that costs hundreds of pounds, possibly thousands of pounds on the sideline. But the the discussion around him struggling against the Saints, I think just comes back to the fact that it's like a positive for the Saints defense. They've played very well against Brady every time they've played, and it's because they've been really good in coverage. It's because Marshawn Lattimore is not afraid to be physical with guys like Mike Evans. So I think that's a far bigger thing for the Saints than it is a knock on Brady. Jamie? I nearly smashed my tablet when I saw that uh, Brady had cost me first seed in the fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I'm very very persuaded towards Tom Brady because it's it's easy and fun to to call him a ball bag. Um, But I'm also I'm also I'm I'm also quite uh, allured by just giving this to COVID because it's been an absolute pain in the arse for all sport this week. And let's be honest, it, it makes Sunday slightly less fun when we don't we know that the best aren't going up against the best. Um it, maybe that maybe uh, maybe this is this is more because of what's going on at home and we know that our Christmas games are all ruined and everything. But when we're seeing it bleed into the NFL as well, which is another means of escape, it uh, it all just starts to bear down on you, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, do you know what? I think COVID should get one, and the situation with COVID should get one above and beyond this ballback nomination because of its wide impact across everything again. Like, and again, Uber ballback. Yeah, and, and, you know, coming into this Christmas Eve Eve, at the moment, I don't know anybody whose Christmas hasn't been impacted in some shape or form. People not making it, people not being able to go anywhere. You know, I've got members of my own like family have been impacted by it, and now plans are out the window. And you know, you're rethinking right when can we meet in January? Um, it's just all up in the air. Um, you know, I was supposed to be over in New York. I was supposed to be at the Jets Eagles game. Um, 
which would have been it was actually quite an entertaining game in the end. Uh, and unfortunately, I was say, is that COVID. is that not actually is that not actually a positive? <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, didn't get to go over. Uh, absolutely gutted. Um, uh, and it's just yeah, there's wide range of impact. So I think I think that COVID gets one an honorary additional ball bag this week because it is wide range and it's going to impact next week again. Uh, and again, if you've got, if you have made your fantasy final, there's a, there's a value in not making it right because you get Christmas off. You don't need to sit and scan through who's got COVID on Christmas Day. <laughs> I mean, Christ, that's not a fun way. Open my presents, have a shot of sherry, bit of turkey. Who's on the COVID list? Right, that's a crap Christmas. So the NFL <laughs> need to get the games off because it's impacting. It's impacting us all. So. Um, yeah, fine. There is one other nomination that we need to get to before we ah, actually move forward. Go. So, um, there are a few nominations for John Harbaugh. So, I'm going to read out a couple here. Lauren Callahan says, I understood his reasoning for going to the other week, but this week when momentum seems to be in his favour on the back of their multi-score comeback... So to go for two this time really didn't make sense to me. The Ravens are now on a three-game losing streak. Going to overtime might still have resulted in the same outcome, but better to have a chance at win or tie than an outright loss because of a single failed two-point play. Couple this with the opening drive of the game where they drove the ball over 80 yards and passed on a kicking a field goal and came away with nothing. I'll read them all and then you can have your say, Gordon. I can see you twitching. Uh... Martin Blair, John Harbaugh, Bobag times two. Another attempt for the two-point failed, simple as that. Made a rip-roaring arse of it. Even more so when he called Andrews over for the play, giving away to the Packers what the plan was. Tony Bruton says, nominated him two weeks ago following the two-point attempt and subsequent launch against the Steelers. He got the benefit of the doubt then, and I said that the, these were the fine lines between heroes and ballbags. This time, though, it's total ballbaggery. Take the point and place your trust in your D in overtime. Um, and then Darren Barry says, whilst I applaud the ballsy call to go for two and the win with under a minute left for the second time this month, they came up short, but this one wasn't even close. Clearly the wrong call. Andrews didn't even get close. So there's a mix there. There's people who are dead against going for two, and then there's people who are like, I get going for two, but the call was terrible. Gordon. So first thing, this is not an analytics pish decision. <laughs> because... Analytically, the decision points towards like a slight lean towards kicking it. Mm. The the analytics mistake the Ravens made made was not going for it when they scored the touchdown when they were down by two touchdowns. And Stephen Bryson sent a, a tweet to us asking that, mm. and he's right that that's where the analytical mistake was. Now, here's why I think Harbaugh did it the way he did it. He knew what was going to happen in overtime against the Packers. So the only way the Ravens were winning that game in overtime is if they get he the ball. He didn't know, because nobody knows, you could have won the coin toss. Okay. But no, 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 that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is he, he knew the only way he wins that yeah. in overtime is if they win the toss and they go down and score a touchdown. They go down and score a field goal, Packers go and they kick a field goal or they go and score a touchdown. John Harbaugh knew what that roster looked like going into that game. And... They already were very short in the secondary. Before the game, Jimmy Smith goes on the COVID list. Early in the game, Tavon Young gets a concussion, and it led to Devontae Adams being lined up against a guy called Robert Jackson, who'd been on the practice squad all year. Your guy that you're asking to cover, Devontae Adams, is also wearing number 17. I can tell you exactly how successful that's going to be. So the reason why I think he didn't go for it when they were with the first one is because he always knew the plan was we're going to go, if we score a second touchdown late on in the game, we're going for two. And I think he viewed it as our best opportunity to win this game is go up by a point late on and hopefully Aaron Rodgers can't drive down and kick and put them in the field goal range with 40 seconds left. Because that's the other part of this, that everyone's saying kick it and go to overtime. 42 seconds is not a, a short... A, you know, a, a time that Aaron Rodgers can't drive down and get into field goal range. So it's one of those things whereby the final decision to to kick it, uh, to go for two on the final one, wasn't really analytics-based. And it wasn't, he didn't go to Aaron Andrews to talk to him about what the play call was. The Ravens released a clip and it's Harbaugh going up to Mark Andrews and other players and saying, what do you want to do if we, if we score here? Do you want to go for two? Do you want to go overtime? 
And that's one of the reasons why I think he is absolutely not a ball back, because the players love playing for him. And that was a game they had no business being close in, no business being anywhere near. And at the end of the day, when it came down to a close decision, he had complete buy-in from the players. The, there was a Packers safety that tipped the ball that had he not, then it's Andrew's ball to catch and shield the guy from the end zone. And the way he was playing, he might do it. I didn't like the play call, though. Like, I don't like sprinting your quarterback out to that side and shortening the field and all that stuff. But that's what it is. It's, no one would be calling him a ball bag if they made the two against the Steelers and made this two. We'd be talking about how he's an absolute <laughs> visionary, how more how more people need to do it. They did the same thing with Brandon Staley after the Thursday game against the Chiefs. Fine lines. Fine lines. Absolutely. Uh, and Staley... Staley goes for it every single time, and 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 I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I purely as, and I speak purely as a fan. I was really enjoying the game. I loved seeing the Ravens come back into it, and I think I wanted the kick because I wanted more, and I wanted to see this battle. And it, this is where the context. And again, let's take the analytics stuff out of it. The context of the whole situation for me felt like. Fine, yes, I agree with what you're saying. If Rogers gets the ball, he, he, there's a pretty solid chance he's going to go down there, score a touchdown, it's game over. Again, I hate the overtime rules because of that. Um, but I wanted to see more. I, I felt like Huntley really got into a groove and they'd they'd found a way, to, they'd found the, the plan to get through the Packers' defense. I think another position, they would have scored another touchdown themselves. And it was fascinating to watch. It really was. They really started to click. Um, and, and it was it was... I don't know whether it's because of the added emotional value, because obviously you and Charles were obviously going head to head, but it genuinely was a great game of football. And I just wanted more. And I felt like, ah, uh, like it would have been to, to win it on that is thrilling. Oh, they won on a two point conversion. It's an up to not do it. And uh, it, it just, I don't know. It, it, it feels like the rug has been pulled slightly from under you as a neutral in this situation. And I think that definitely made me feel a bit like, oh, I'm disappointed. Why did they go for it? Why didn't they do it? Yeah, it nails it. Everyone was right into it. Everyone had bought in, even if they didn't have a dog in the fight. But Harbaugh's not making that call and thinking, oh, I hope Cameron Hobbs is okay with this. Prick. He should be thinking can, that. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about the fact... Can we talk about the fact that Charles Patterson in our WhatsApp group said that he thought if it was against a divisional rival, they wouldn't have gone for it when they literally did yeah, that two weeks ago yeah, against yeah, the yeah. I, I I think you're right. I think there's a there's a real value in him trusting his players and giving his empowering his players to make that call. Um, they, you know, I think the only time that that is a problem is because if they're so gung ho and in the heat of the moment because they've just scored a touchdown. You've got that buzz of, yeah, we can do anything. And actually, there's a point where the coach needs to go, well, yeah, you can. Yeah, I can. But we tried this last week and it didn't work. Um, but I, I still stand by your point. And I think it's nice for him to bring his team over, his, his captains, his leaders on the park and go, right, do we have unanimous agreement? Are you guys going for this? Yeah, we're going for it. Fine. I think you're in a position as well where actually that, that division's so tight. If that division wasn't tight and it didn't really matter... Nobody would even have a, a problem, but I guess so a that's point the there. funny thing. That's the funny thing with that game, though, is that in the grand scheme of things, that game and the game against the game the Ravens have against the Rams coming up next week don't really matter. The Ravens are in a position whereby if they beat the Bengals this week and beat the Steelers in Week 18, they win the division. If they lose either of those games, it doesn't really matter if they beat the Packers or they beat the um, the Rams because it'll come down to divisional tiebreakers if they lose those games. So. There was a little bit of playing with house money and that was like, a, you know, you can potentially impact your seeding thing. And then the final point, though, on Harbaugh as a ball back. If the Ravens make the playoffs this year, I think it's John Harbaugh's best coaching job for a guy who's won a Super Bowl and taken that team to the first seed in the playoffs. They make the playoffs on a roster. I saw, saw a tweet today. Right now, the Ravens have 15 players on defense on their active roster who participated in practice yesterday. So they're not limited and they're not on the COVID list. They're down to, they were down their top six defensive backs on Sunday. If he can get that team into the playoffs, it's just a tremendous coaching job. That's as many fit players as St Mirren had against Celtic last night. <laughs> <laughs> they got a nil-nil draw, so you never know. Um, there's one more nomination that I need to read out before we get to ours fully. Uh, and that comes from Paddy Kelly. He simply says... And he, he, his nomination is your man, Gordon. Uh, 
I am going to bank. He comes on the pod and defends the Ravens going for two and his analytics pish. Now, granted, you didn't defend. Well, it wasn't analytics. analytics. You didn't. It's not analytics. So, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll scrub that from the record. <laughs> Just like the other week. The game was favouring the Ravens, even with their beaten up team, to get a victory in overtime. Packers had completely collapsed. Don't even start with was the right decision but the wrong play call, Patter. So there you go, McGuinness. You're getting one for that. But gentlemen, who... And COVID's got one, so COVID's gone. Honorary ball bag for COVID. Who else gets a ball bag this week? Tom Brady for smashing big, the surface. It's big Tom and his silly wee <laughs> straw. <laughs> there you go, Tom. You've won something, pal. You are the <laughs> ball bag's ball bag of the week. Big Tam Brady, I love that as well. <laughs> um, okay, right, we need to do some winners. So, uh, Jamie, I'll get you to pick the belter. We're looking for a number between 1 and 35, please. 25. Number 25, and I've unfortunately put these in alphabetical order, so the numbers are all over the place. Congratulations to Gareth King. Gareth, you are the winner of a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers. Um, okay, so same for you, Gordon, please. Just as the Ravens were right to, I'm going to go for two. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. Okay, so number two is congratulations to Stephen Lynn, um, who wins a pair of ball bags, ball bag underwear. Tremendous. Okay, a uh, quick update on the Pick'em competition. So the Bonnie Sauce Company NFL Scotland podcast pick king or queen of 2021. Um, now, just a reminder, keep making your picks. This runs for the regular season. This does not go beyond week 18. It doesn't go into the postseason. The winner will be announced uh, uh, to whoever is atop come the final regular season weekend. At the moment, there's two people tied at the top as well, with 150 correct, Dumfries Demons and Jerry Bowlers. So the two of them up top, Jerry Bowlers uh, won our second ever Pick King competition, so he's returned to form. Uh, then we've got the Reverend Kirk and David Pearson, 1874 on 147. Confused Cowboy, Jake Funk Brother, Juju's Dance Studio, all on 146. Then we've got Airdrie Giants, Wake Me When September Comes, Bruins of Midlothian, Wolf Plays, and Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants, all on 145. Uh, all those down in tied eighth, five off the top. At this time of the season with COVID, it's really all to play for. Anyone could win there. So keep making your picks. Many thanks to Loch Lomond, Single Malts, to Bob Ags, and to the Bonnie Sauce Company for sponsoring all of our competitions this season. Absolutely delighted to have them on board. So yeah, so there you go. Okay, um, now, we did something last year, and we might do something again this year. Take a listen to this. We're doing something, it's not a podcast, this is what we're calling the NFL Scotland Pished Cast. Do you, do you want me to sing it? No, oh, God, no. <laughs> no, we definitely do. <laughs> gold, gold. Always believing in gold, gold. Is is somebody who's seen Spandau Ballet? You've got Bally the power to know. No, 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 no. <laughs> My initial thought was to go for Lenny Kravitz saying over till it's over, and it, it should have been over a very fucking long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas time. Everyone loves uh, a party game or two. We were debating whether we could play NFL Spin the Bottle. My darling son won because I was handing off the ball to Alvin. Don't you know? <laughs> But this year they're soft, so I've lost all that admiration <laughs> and I've lost all that respect for them because they're phonies. You might have a career in professional wrestling for that heel turn midway through that first. Who produces this shit? Yep, it's back for a second season. The second annual Pishcast will be landing on the 29th of December. Gentlemen, we're all booked in. I hope you've got your drinks ready for this one. Uh, will it be the, the laggers or are you taking the Charles Partison high road of a, a Chateau Neuve de Pape or some the classy red? I'm a sort of mug of eggnog, I think, this time. <laughs> I was going to say, 
for those listening, we are recording this in the morning. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not quite in the drinking spirits just yet, but alcohol, alcohol, gentlemen, alcohol. If, if the Ravens lose to the Bengals this week, I'll just be on an entire bottle of single malt. <laughs> um, but no, there's a couple of people who have been reaching out to, to ask for this. It was good fun last year. Uh, looking forward to it again this year. Basically, if, if you're not familiar with the format, there's not really a format. Uh, all we do is we do a podcast. It's a few drinks in, and we come out and get questions from you, the listeners, to, to keep us going throughout. So keep an eye for that. We'll be putting out a form asking for you to, to put some suggestions and some of the topping points, some of the questions that we can answer. Nothing is off limits. Uh, go for it, and we'll do our very, very best. Okay, uh, looking ahead to this week, though, gentlemen, uh, what are you looking forward to the most? What games tickle your fancy? Gordon, you up first. Uh, it's that Ravens-Bengals game, which might be a de facto AFC North championship game. Uh, looking at the schedules that teams in that division have, um, unless the Steelers get a really lucky boost from the Chiefs having everyone on the COVID list, um, it will set up a kind of do your job in the final game of the season and you're in for whoever wins that game. So whoever wins that game, if they, the Ravens beat the Steelers in the final game, if the Bengals beat the Browns, doesn't really matter what else happens. So it's a, it's a huge game for the Bengals because the Bengals probably are the best team in that division just now. Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback in that division this season. Uh, that's a city that has not had much success in the NFL for a very long time. That is a big game for them to show people that they are absolutely a serious um, contender for the next few years. Uh, and I think they absolutely have it in them to to win that game and, and show people that. All right. It's, it's Cardinals-Colts for me, which I guess is maybe strange because it's cross-conference, but I've I got a really good feeling about the way the Colts have been going and the opposite with the way the Cardinals. So this could really define their trajectories going um, towards the, the the end of the season, I think if the Colts can go down there and pick up a win, I think that confirms that they are going to be postseason contenders, and it could confirm the doubts that we were expressing earlier in this podcast about Arizona. Um, so I think it's just going to be a, a fascinating matchup, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, the game for me that I'm looking forward to is the one that we were kind of robbed off the last time, and it's the Bills-Patriots. Uh, that stupid win game, they were, is it great with the wind? No, um, robbed us. Uh, and and Josh Allen's wobbling. Uh, and also the Patriots, you know, Mac Jones, how, how valid is Mac Jones? I think he's looking great, but they obviously struggled against the Colts. You know, they kind of got things going a little bit, but... I think this is a fascinating one because what we're going to understand here is really who is the, who is the best team in the in the AFC East right now because I'm not sure it's clear. I I my gut tells me it's the Patriots at the moment. I actually think the Patriots are better than the Bills, but this is going to be a proper sit down head to head of the two teams. I hope that the weather calms the hell down that we get a proper game and we get to see what both teams are capable of. I want to see you know who can out coach, who can out quarterback, who can out play. Um, I hope that the COVID list remains largely clear for everybody, but especially these two. We know that Cole Beasley won't be there, but hey-ho. Um, you know, outside of that, let's keep it together and let's see these these two teams get the opportunity to actually go head-to-head against each other. There's a you, chance they face against each other again in the postseason, right? But you, let's get this going. Here's a fun scenario for you, though. So if the Bills win that game and the Dolphins can beat Taysom's Terrors, in New Orleans, against New Orleans this week. The Dolphins would be a game away from both of those teams, and they still play the Patriots in the final week of the season. So the Dolphins, who were a team who at one point were what, like one in something, they looked absolutely dreadful. There's like a chaotic way that all of a sudden they're very much back in the divisional picture this week, if that game goes. And it's funny, the Dolphins, so I looked at the Dolphins, um, and I, I they've been on that amazing run of form. Like you say, I have almost discounted them to an extent because of who they've played. Uh, and if you look at the games that they've played, so you're right, right? They, if you take it up to the the season started, they obviously beat the Patriots in week one, which was like, oh, right, okay, fine, fine, fine. After that, they got humped by the Bills, beat by the Raiders in a close one. The Colts beat them, the Bucks beat them. Then they lost to the Jags in London. Um, they lost to the Falcons, you know, lost to the Jags by three, lost to the Falcons by two 
got beat by the, the Bills again. Since then, other than the Ravens, which is a good win, they've beaten the Texans, the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants, the Jets again. If you look at the games that they've won, they've not, other than the Ravens, they've not beaten anybody who I would consider to be a really good team. That Actually, that's an impressive victory. Even the, the Ravens game the was like one. a even the Ravens game was like a Thursday night game, so it was like the whole your opponent comes to visit you on Thursday night. You always it always sets up a little bit better for you. The Ravens were just flat out terrible in that yeah. game as well. But but you're right. I, the Saints are kind of beaten up as well. The Titans yep. aren't fully there either. So win win, and they do go into New England, and yeah, that could be interesting. Um, that could be very interesting. So, uh, but a lot remains to be seen there. Definitely a lot remains to be seen. There's uh, there's signs of improvement, but I still don't know what two is. I still keep watching him going, I can't quite figure out what level of quarterback he is. Every now and then he'll do something that you're like, actually, that was really good. And then that'll be preceded with three really shit plays that are just like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, interesting. Any other games tickle your fancy? I think Cowboys football team um, and Eagles Giants are fun in kind of sorting out the NFC East slash. How are you? How are you defining fun? Well, <laughs> so there's an opportunity there for the Giants with Jake from State Farm at quarterback uh, to go and ruin the Eagles season. Put them at seven and eight, stop them from making the playoffs. And there's an opportunity for football team to beat the Cowboys and make it difficult for them to be a higher seed. I, I kind of like, this is why I love the NFL's decision to push more divisional games in the final few weeks of the season. Because even if both teams aren't in the hunt, it just gives you the opportunity for shithousery. And I'm <laughs> always a fan anytime you can add the ability for more shithousery. Jamie, are you looking forward to the Giants game? No, 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 not 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 for a not for quite a while have I looked forward to a Giants game, <laughs> uh, and it makes it worse that the, the Cowboys are so ominously good, even with that Prescott's shoulder being out of joint. They're still really good, and just yeah, yeah, it's just it doesn't it doesn't give me a, a, a merry feeling at this time of year, guys. Cameron, are you are you excited for the Forty ers game? Uh, so I, I don't know, I I don't know, I've. I find myself with slight hints of optimism, so we're going to get beat. Is basically what happens there. This is the one thing I've learned is when they start to get me to believe, that's when it goes horribly wrong. Um, we do seem to be better on the road, but a short week is always so unknown. Um, you know, the Titans have just come back off of that game against the Steelers where they're going to want to bounce back from that. I think that AJ Brown looks as though he's going to be back, so I worry about our secondary because it's atrocious. Uh, and therefore, I'm I'm worried. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close. I don't think our front seven will do the damage to Tennessee that we were able to do to Atlanta, uh, and therefore, it's going to be on the secondary more to step up here, and I, that worries me. I think that's my concern there. Um, but it's on nice and late. At least I get it done before Christmas, so I can just relax and not worry about it. Uh, I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, but yes, okay, right, that is just about the full-time whistle for episode 175, but before we finish, one quick thing, listen back to the podcast I wasn't able to attend last week, and you discussed who would play you in a movie, now we will probably touch on this at the Pishcast, because he's not here to defend himself, but I am disgusted with both you and Charles Gordon, uh, because Paul Mitchell said the sentence, ah yes, Tom Cruise, that's who I usually get, like people say who he looks like. Tom Cruise and Paul Mitchell. Uh, Dudley Moore and Paul Mitchell has definitely got a much closer link there. So absolute nonsense Cow to get away with that. Because he's a short arse, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly why I went down that why we went down that route. Counterpoint, Cameron, like who was it you said you oh, looked Richard like? Gear. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. I was joking. Uh, Nobody's ever I, said I mean, you look like Richard Gere. <laughs> I, I think I think Paul looks more like Tom Cruise than you look like Richard Gere. Who was the <laughs> Who was the suggestion a uh, uh, tweeter sent in for you earlier? Yes, uh, there was there was somebody um, put in for me. There was a nomination came in from Patrick Wilson in his nomination this week. He was like, "By the way, just on last week's discussion about which actor would play you in a movie." 
Matt LeBlanc to play Cameron? Question mark. Well, that's the full time whistle for episode <laughs> 175. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this in every podcast uh, on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Thank you to Gordon, to Jamie. Listen, everybody out there, thank you for listening this year. Uh, thank you for taking part. Thank you for your nominations. Keep them coming. We hope you have a great Christmas. We hope you get some time off. We hope you get to spend time with your family. We hope it isn't COVID impacted. We hope you find something to do to keep yourself entertained. The sport's going to be limited, certainly from our football point of view, and it's going to be shite. So reach out to us. We're here for a chat. Message us on Twitter. We'd love to engage if you're feeling a bit crap and you just want to talk to someone about sport. You know where we are. That's exactly what we're here for. We love talking about the NFL. Hit us up. Absolutely hit us up. But thank you for taking the time to listen. Like I say, have a great Christmas. Hope Santa's kind. Bye for now.